We're on verses 1 and 2, and you'll be glad to know that we've made it to verse 3. So, <laughs> and I hope you brought your tent with you tonight because we're camping out again on verse number 3. We're not finished with it yet. So we've talked about a number of things. There's a couple of other things that I do want to mention out of verse number 3 that I think are very, very important to us. And you know at the end of the lesson last time, we again mentioned the fact that the reason we're spending so much time on this first part is so that we'll grasp the rest of it. If we don't get what's happened, what they've been through, what what Luke records for us, then we won't understand why Paul and Peter and and these guys went through all that they went through. And, you know, they were willing to do what they did. And so that's why we're spending some time here. The book of uh, Luke, or rather Acts, was written by Luke, of course, some 30 or so years after Jesus was crucified. But but we still have, as we look at it, some of these things that, that we need to go back and review. We, we looked at verse number 3 last time. He presented himself, and, and the word presented, as we noted last time, he, 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 he means to stand by, if you will. And so he stood by them, alive, and, and uh, we talked about the suffering and so forth, and, and uh, talked about the 40 days and all of those kinds of things. But two things that I want to look at tonight... From the, uh, from the passage here, and that is I want you to focus on the word proofs. He presented himself alive to them after, he suff- uh, after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Let's think about that word proofs tonight. As far as I can tell, there are three words that are translated proof in the English Standard Version and some of the other versions as well. And let's look at those three words very uh, briefly tonight. Number one, we might turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5, at verse number 14. Luke, chapter 5, verse number 14, is an occasion where the English Standard translates the word proof. The Bible says, And he charged him, not to, tell, uh, charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering from your cleansing as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Some translations say a testimony, or the word literally means here in this case, it means a testimony or a witness. And so Jesus is telling this man that he uh, had healed from leprosy to go and do what the Old Testament law said in, in presenting himself. And, and the word, the idea, the concept of proof or testimony is used there. The second time, it's our second word that's used is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse number 24. Now remember that first word means a, a testimony or a witness in the original, uh, the original word. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse number 24, Paul says, So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. And contextually, uh, you know, we could, we could go in and deal with that, but, but uh, for the sake of time tonight, the word that's used there means an indication or an evidence. He's wanting them to give as an evidence of, uh, uh, of uh, their love uh, and so forth. And so, of course, he's talking about the contribution and, so, and the things that are in, uh, related to that. And so that word is also translated proof, meaning an indication of evidence. 
But then there's a third word that's translated proof, and it's used here. It's only used one time in the New Testament, and it's here in the book of Acts, chapter 1, at verse number 3. If you're reading from the King James Version, you read that he presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. English Standard simply says proofs. King James says infallible proofs. The word means uh, a criterion of certainty. Criterion of certainty. What does that mean? Well, sort of like the infallible proof, it's something that's never failing and always effective. The proofs that Jesus gave would never fail. The proof that Jesus gave of his being alive were things that would always be effective. In other words, they would suffice for the people of the first century. Those men and women who saw him alive during those 40 days, it would suffice, that evidence would suffice to convince them that he indeed had been raised from the dead. And their testimony, their, their writing about these things, recording them, giving them to us to study 2,000 years later, they are still proofs that, that, that last. I mean, they are irrefutable. When we look at them, we understand that it was something that had to be from the Son of God or had to be from God. And so that's what Luke is saying here. He presented himself alive with so, not just evidence, but these, uh, this, the, all of this evidence that is just indisputable, uh, that it's infallible proof as the King James puts it. And so as we, as we look at it then, <clears throat> what are, and this is my question, what are some of those proofs? The only way that I know to figure some of them out is to go and to look at what the Bible says, what it tells us about the, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Okay, In other words, after, after he was raised from the dead and the people that he appeared to and the occasions that he appeared, uh, they, they give us some clues. I, I'm convinced that it's probably not everything that he did for them, but it was proof enough to give to them and them give to us to convince us that, again, he is who he said he is. He was raised from the dead. Okay, So what we're going to do is spend our time tonight sort of going through these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, and we're going to go through them in order as best we can. We'll look at them in order of the ones who, uh, uh, that he appeared to. Okay? So this won't be on the screen, but I want you to follow along, and, and I'll be asking you, some of you, to read. You know, we'll do, do the thing about, uh, uh, we'll get you to, to, to read it out loud, so get ready to do that. The first one is found in the book of Mark chapter 16, and we'll look at verses 9 through 11. Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 11. Okay? So whoever gets there and wants to read out loud, read verses 9 through 11. Mark 16, 9 through 11. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, 
Okay? So, look at uh, especially verse number 9. He arose on the first day of the week, and, and then that word first is going to be used again. Uh, there are two different words. The first day of the week is a word that's translated, means beginning, best first. But the second one that is related to Mary itself is a word which means first in time, first in place, first in order, if you will. And so the Bible specifically tells us here who the first person to see the risen Savior was. Who was the first person? Mary Magdalene. He appeared to her first, first in time, okay? First in place, first in order. And so Mary is the one who, uh, who got to see the Savior first. It's interesting that, uh, uh, that uh, Mark records for us that, that uh, Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. And, and I'll go ahead and give a shameless plug. This coming Sunday night, you may have noticed on the calendar, we're going to be talking about demons. And so uh, uh, we'll talk more about that then. But uh, uh, he appeared to her first. Mark just says that he had done, done that for her. Now let's look at the book of John, chapter 20, and this is going to be a little bit longer reading, and I'm doing that for a reason, because I think there's something that is there that will, that, that will uh, you know, uh, help us out as we're talking about these infallible proofs and so forth. Okay, John 20, verses 11 through 18. A little bit longer reading, but we'll let somebody take that and go with it. Okay, and so this is John's account of what happened. We read about it there in, uh, uh, in Mark chapter number 16, but this is John's account, and, and we know the story. You know, she comes, and what time is it when she comes? They come very early in the morning, and it may still have been a little bit dark. You know, we, we don't know for certain, but, but uh, she supposes that the person who speaks to her after the two angels speak to her she supposes it's the gardener, okay? Now, he's spoken to her, and she said, you know, supposing him to be the gardener, if, if you've taken him away, just tell me where he's at, and I'll go get him. And then Jesus said, Mary, Mary. She understood who it was then. She knew who it was. But what did he tell her to go and tell his disciples? Interesting what he 
tells them, tells her to go tell them. Go to my brothers and say to them, what? I am ascending to my Father. He hasn't done it yet in the sense that he's going to. We'll talk about that here in, in just a second because I'm going, to bring, I'm going to bring that back up here in just a second. But he says, go and tell my brothers I'm ascending back to my Father. Now, now this is the day of his resurrection. Forty days later, what would he do? We read about it in the book of Acts, chapter number one. We just haven't gotten to it yet. But while he's standing there talking to the men and to the apostles, what happens? He's raised up in a cloud and ascends back to his father. So he announces the fact here that there would be some evidence, there would be something that he would do. And when he did, and we'll talk about these words a little bit when we actually get to verse number six, but you know, they're standing there gazing into heaven. Uh, you, you know, basically, they've got their mouth wide open. What has happened? You know, where is he going? What is he doing? All of the things that, that we look at and we see here. So, you know, that's going to be one of the proofs, the fact that he can ascend to heaven. He can leave the earth, not on an airplane or a helicopter or with a cable or, or whatever, but he ascends up in a cloud. And so that's going to be one of the things that that they're going to report, that they're going to, to talk about the fact that he was able to do that. Now, hold your finger there and then go to Matthew chapter 28, verses 9 through 15. And we're just going to label this one some of the uh, certain women, uh, the ones uh, that, are, that are actually seen here, okay? Matthew 28, verses 9 through 15. Who's got it? And behold, Jesus met them and said of greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see them. While they, they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and had, had taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole them away while we were asleep. And if, if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. All right, so I had you to read uh, uh, on down through verse number 15 because that's the day that it happened. You know, it's on the... On the first day that, that he's resurrected, I just wanted to establish that. The guards are there. They go back into town. You know, this happens while whatever it is that we're about to talk about, about the, res, the, the, the appearance, uh, all of this is happening along the same, at the same time, okay? So here are these women. He meets the women. And if you back up earlier in chapter 28, you're going to find that uh, the women are spoken about. But the certain, this group of women, when they see Jesus, Jesus met them and he spoke to them first. And they came up to him and did what? Took hold of his feet and worshipped. Took hold of his feet 
and worshipped him. Do you remember when Mary met him a little bit earlier? When Mary met him, do you remember something that he said to her in verse 17 of John, of, yeah, John chapter 20, verse 17? Do what? Okay, King James says, do not touch me. Okay, touch me not. Okay. And, and English Standard said, what? Anybody got, do not cling to me. Okay. Now, why would Jesus not allow, I'm, I'm going to ask it this way and then we'll talk about it. Why would Jesus not allow Mary to touch him and then allow these other women to touch him? They come up and grab hold of his, uh, around his ankles. They fall down, grab hold of him, and worship him. Falling down, holding him. Okay, so why, what, what is it that is going on here? Okay, why, why one can and one can't? Well, let's go back and let's do a little study. Okay, go back to John chapter 20, verse 17, where he says, Do not cling to me. If we were to read that in the original language, we would know that it's in the present tense, which means that it's linear, continuous action. Okay? Linear or continuous action. If we look at the book of Matthew, chapter 28, where they took hold of his feet, that's in the aorist tense, which is an undefined momentary action. In other words... One is a prolonged thing, it just keeps on, and the other one is just, you know, they grab him and hold on to him. The difference is, Jesus tells Mary, don't keep on holding on to me so that I can't do what I'm supposed to do. Don't hold on to me because I have not yet done what? Ascended to my Father who is in heaven. The idea that is presented here is that Jesus had not yet ascended in a, in a permanent way. He had told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, But Jesus had not yet ascended to the right hand of the throne of God to sit there until time is no more. And he comes back to collect his church. The, the wording again in the original language is, uh, uh, he said, Do not cling to me, which is the present tense. Don't keep holding on to me. For I have not yet ascended the perfect tense, which is a completed permanent action. Okay? But then look on down a little bit to make sure that we're saying it right. What was it? I asked you this a while ago. What was it that he told Mary to go and tell the apostles? He didn't tell her. Didn't tell her to tell him he had not ascended. I I am ascending. I'm in the process. I, I am ascending. It is a also a present tense. It's action in progress. He is completing everything that he needs to do here on this earth while he is here. He's been crucified. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. And now I'm finishing everything. Don't hold on to me and let me finish what I'm doing. Let me do the rest of what I need to do because my purpose is to go back 
to the right hand of the Father and reign as king. And so go back, present tense, I am ascending. I have not yet done it in the permanent sense, but I am in the process of doing it. That's, the, that's what he says here. Okay? So go back to what we were talking about. Forty days later, what happens? When he's standing there with the apostles, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? And he ascends into heaven in the cloud. Okay? So he does actually fulfill what he says on that day that he would do. Okay? That's, that's when the permanent part of it came to be. So we got Mary, we've got the certain women, and then let's go to the next couple of people. There are two men who are on the road to Emmaus. That's found in Mark chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. That's actually where we'll go first. Mark chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. Somebody, somebody read that. Because it's, it's important. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Let's, let's change from John to Mark. Go to Mark 16, 12 and 13. Good verse, but it doesn't fit here. <laughs> Mark 16, yeah. Mark 16, verses 12 and 13. All right, do you see anything strange about Mark's recording here? Anything that just jumps out at you? He appeared to them in another form. I don't know what he looked like. I don't know what form he took. He took the form of a man, but in some way he displayed his power by changing his features in some way so that these people would not recognize him. He appeared to them in another form. Now, could you put makeup on and make yourself look different? You know, do what? Clark, yeah, Clark Kent, Superman, you know, he'd just stick on some glasses. I never have figured out how they couldn't understand that that was Superman, you know. He looked the same to me, he just had glasses on. But Jesus took another form. There's, there's power, isn't it? Now, not only did he take another form, but he maintained that form for a while. All right, so let's go to Luke's account. And it begins actually in verse 13. But I want to drop down to uh, Luke 24, verse 28. We'll read verses 28 through 31 for the sake of time tonight. Luke 24, 28 through 31. So they drew near to the village 
to which they were going, he acted as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went into the so he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Keep going. Mm-hmm. And he vanished from their sight. They said that each okay, other... Okay, that's close enough. He goes in with them. He's, they've been talking. They've been walking... You know, it's about a seven-mile trip. He's walking with them. They're talking about what had happened, you know, in the crucifixion, all those kind of things. And, and, and they don't recognize him, but they invite him to go home. You know, it's pretty amazing that when Jesus got to that house, he sort of took over there too, didn't he? What did he do? They invited him to supper, and he, he, he decided he'd be the host. He'd, he'd take the bread, he'd bless it, he'd, he'd do that. And when he had done that, the Bible says their eyes were opened. In other words, the form that Jesus had taken, whether it was in their mind that he had controlled it, or he himself had taken a different form on his his own body, their eyes were opened and they knew who it was. And so... It's not that they... Oh, I know who you are. Not that they figured it out. They opened their eyes to see Jesus sitting there with them. Miraculous, isn't it? That he's able to do that. That's not the only miraculous thing. How would you like to have been sitting there, figured out that you're talking to the Son of God, and what's the next thing that happens? He vanishes. Doesn't say he got up and walked out. He vanished from their sight. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at him, I figured out it's the Son of God, and the Son of God is gone. Just to ask you, what did these two guys do? We'll come, we'll we'll read it here in a second, but what did they do? They got up and they went to the apostles, and they began to tell them what had happened. Okay? All right, so, we've got that. Next, we got the two guys on the road to Emmaus, the next person, it seems, that Jesus appeared to is Peter. Peter. Sometimes we leave this one out. Look at Luke 24, 33 through 35. Luke 24, 33 through 35. The Lord has indeed appeared to Simon. Where do you read that? Except right here. There's no other account of the Lord appearing to Peter, to Simon. But they say he appeared to Simon. But you know what? Even though we don't have a biblical record of when, where, and how, we do know that Jesus appeared to Peter at some point, evidently alone. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. Uh, probably not because the two they get up and they go tell the others 
And they say, well, he, they tell him what happened to us, but he appeared to Simon. Okay, so probably not one of the two. Look at what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 15, 5. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Somewhere in there, Peter meets Jesus. I don't know where. The Bible doesn't tell us. God didn't see fit to specify that particular occasion. But Peter was always the outspoken one, was he not? Peter was always the one that was volunteering, you know, to get himself in trouble. But the Bible says pretty clearly that Jesus and Peter had a meeting all by them. He didn't meet them all together with the other apostles until later. He appeared to Peter first, Paul says, and then he appears to Jesus. Okay? So, we got Peter, and then, let's go next. He appears to the actually ten apostles. Ten of them. One of them's dead. Judas has committed suicide. Uh, Thomas is not there, so we've got ten of them together that we'll read about next. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. And actually it says, I, I, well, I'll talk about that after somebody reads it. Mark 16, 14. Okay, so afterward, after what? Verses 12 and 13. The road to Emmaus. And then he appeared to the 11, the Bible says. Okay, now why does it say the 11? I told you already, Thomas was not there. We'll read later where Thomas was not there. The 11 is just the identifying, uh, he is identifying that's the apostles. Sometimes he would use the term the 12. To, to talk to them, but not all the time when he talked about the twelve were the twelve all together. He was talking literally about the apostles. And so he says the same thing here because Judas, of course, has uh, committed suicide. Now, we know that this happens right after what took place on the road to Emmaus, but let's go to Luke's account of it. Luke chapter 24, 36 through 43. Luke 24, 36 through 43. It's going to start out as they were talking about these things. Uh, the two men from Emmaus had come and told the apostles who had gathered up together what had taken place. Okay, So begin there in 36 and go down through 43. Alright, 
Now remember what they were talking about? The two men from Emmaus came and told them what happened. What, <clears throat> what was their experience besides talking to him on the road and inviting him home? He broke the bread, prayed over it, and... Now they're standing here, they're talking about this with the eleven apostles, and what happens? Do what? He reappears. Okay? Doesn't say he walked in the door. He appeared to them. Now, what kind of sight was it in their eyes? What did they think? This thing has appeared, this person has appeared to them, so they think he is a... A ghost, a spirit, okay? And then Jesus explains that. And then Jesus not only explains it, but he demonstrates that he is not. How does he demonstrate that he's not some kind of spirit? Yeah, he said, you got any food? Let's eat. You know, we Christians, we like to eat, don't we? I think we came by it naturally. Jesus had already been to one meal, that night. <laughs> and they'd only had time to travel, you know, and tell Peter and them what was going on. And now Jesus says, let's eat again, okay? So, so he said, bring me some of that fish. Let me have some of it. And, and the Bible is very specific for a reason. What did he do? He took it and he ate it in their presence. He wanted them to know, Okay? And so, you know, there were those in the first century, late first century and early second century that said Jesus just appeared. We talked about them quite a bit when we were studying from the books of 1 John, the Gnostics. They didn't think he was real. He was just a spirit. And Jesus demonstrated, I am alive. Not only am I alive, my body came back out of the grave. See, we're still talking about these infallible proofs when he talks, uh, that, that Luke talk, writes about here in Acts chapter 3. We haven't gone off of the rocker. We're, we're looking at what Luke wrote about in the book of Acts. And so he tells, um, we see that. Uh, A week later, he goes back to the 11 apostles. Let me, let me speed through this really quick here. John 20, verses 26 through 29, the Bible says, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Wasn't there the week before. Thomas was with them. And then this next, this next phrase is, is pretty interesting. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus came and stood among them. Doors were locked, but he got back in again, didn't he? He appeared to them again. Okay? Now, I want you to contrast something. I want you to think about it. They thought at first, on that first week, he was a spirit. Okay? He demonstrated he's not just a spirit, but he had flesh and bones by eating, and now he appears to them a second time, somehow getting through a locked door. But his body, we know he was in his body, already established that. We know he was in his body, but here it is that, you know, we've got all of these little bitty 
little bitty clues. And he's going to demonstrate again he's got a body because Thomas is there who didn't believe that he was resurrected. And what did he tell Thomas? Put, put your finger in, in my hand and see that it's me. Put it in my side and see that it's me. I've got a body. He could suspend the laws of nature. He is powerful. Seven later, he would appear before the seven apostles by the Sea of Galilee, John 21, verses 1 through 23. He would eat with them again. Uh, actually, he was the one who was cooking breakfast. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, he appeared to more than 500 disciples at one time. Okay? Uh, and then 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 7 the Bible says, then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. That was after he had appeared to Peter and the apostles. He appears to James separately, according to Paul. And then he appears again to the apostles just prior to his ascension, according to the book of Luke 22, 44 through 49. Okay? And so, as we look at it, we've got these infallible proofs that that are there. That, that, I mean, we don't have all of them. I told you a little while ago, I'm convinced that we don't have all of them. But there were some. They were, they were, you know, little tidbits of information that helps us to understand that Jesus was showing them, I am who I said I was. I am alive. Remember, he stood by them alive, presented himself, verse number three, by these infallible proofs. Okay? All right. We will start with verse number 3, the end of it next time, but I promise you we will go to verse 4 as well.